Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Crossing Borders, uh, my third episode in two days now of recording, so hopefully people will forgive me for a crazy week at work where I kind of didn't get an opportunity to record at all, but I am back today with Scott and Shane, and we are talking a couple sports in general topics, plus we threw in a Philadelphia sports topic for all our Philadelphia followers where you don't want to forget about where our roots are. Um, Shane, how are you doing? Doing well, man. You sound like how I used to sound uh, with as many podcasts as you're you're involved <laughs> with now. So congratulations. Welcome to the big leagues. And we're sorry for your future failed relationships. <laughs> oh, it's all good. She understands, so I'm I'm good. Uh, and how about you, Scott? How are you? Doing good. Just woke up a little late over here on the West Coast, but uh, you guys will get Scott without his coffee on this show, so hopefully I don't get crabby in the middle of this and start yelling at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do, that, gonna... that could make things really interesting if you start <laughs> yelling at us, so <laughs> might be a good thing, right? maybe i don't know but things get vicious if i I don't get my coffee a couple hours into the morning so if we make this a three-hour show then i'm I'm coming for both your necks how about that (laughs) we're gonna try and keep it to an hour and uh, then you can go and get a coffee and and we'll all be good um so we got a few topics there as we alluded to two weeks ago on the episode we are gonna hit on that load management topic i know that shane and scott are just itching to just probably yell at me about my uh, my my stance on the topic and we're also going to look at the Houston Astros punishments that were delved out um, just a couple weeks back as well as probably analyze a bit of the Alex Cora situation um, also we are going to look at owners involvement in sports we've had the topic discussion once before but obviously in Philadelphia sports, you can't have that topic, that discussion enough because every time you turn around an owner's doing something or trying to be involved, more involved than they should be. And we are also going to look at the raging debate currently on Twitter of the Sixers with Ben Simmons, with Joel Embiid, or with the two of them. Because if you've been on Philadelphia 76ers Twitter, you will see that people are having a field day with trade machines and trying to find where to send Ben Simmons to get the best return or where to send Joel Embiid to get the best return. Because apparently it's their fault that the Sixers are one of the most bipolar teams in basketball right now with their winning and their losing and their winning and their losing. So you guys ready for this? Get it going. Let's All do right. It. All right, Shane, you got the pick of the lot. I ran through the four topics. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the, the baseball scandal. Um, I right. I just want to go on record and say that I really don't give a shit about people cheating in baseball until technology is involved. Like if you want to cheat in any particular, you want to doctor the baseball up there on the hill. You want to sit there and flash. You know, signs, double tap on the cap, run across the brim if you're on second base to sit there and enhance your or increase your chances of getting, you know, knocked in on a ball on maybe the outside part of the plate that you didn't particularly. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with all that. But if you're in there using cameras and you're in there using buzzers onto your shoulder, like you're a fucking clown. Um, so I do think the Astros went 
too far, and if they ruin cheating for the rest of us, I'm going to be so pissed off. <laughs> if they ruin cheating, what an interesting way to word it. I mean, you know, I'm going to I'll be the one to say that I, I think this is good for baseball. I mean, this time of year, usually you don't hear anything about baseball. It's dead silence, and now we're at a situation where we're hearing so much about baseball that baseball's become the attention um the the attention seeking national sport uh for america and i mean what this all actually culminates to come spring training in the season because i'm really excited for spring training i know scott boris is sitting there and saying his players don't have to apologize and i know that the league saying don't players don't say anything but i'm really excited to see what people say they're not everyone is going to stay completely silent you can't have that expectation that everyone stays completely silent and if technology was involved, like the rumor is, and like people are zooming in on Jose Altuve's jersey to show maybe just a potential lump. I don't know. We, we don't really know for sure what that is. Um, but if it involved technology, it means the players are just as much at fault as, as the as the, 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 the managers and the owners and whoever else was involved. Because I know that Scott Boris is under this impression that my players just did this because that that this is what they were told to do they were just following in line if we all followed in line and we were all just yes people imagine what the fuck this world would be right now so i mean at the end of the day for me i i I don't like the use of technology exactly like you said shane that that was going way too far if you want to spit on the ball if you want to do whatever you want to do on the mound and you think that's going to give you an advantage when you throw the pitch or whatever go ahead that that's nothing when we're talking about some of the disciplinary stuff that's happened in the past this is on a whole nother level now in my opinion well i think i think there's a, a two-part answer to this question uh, i don't i mean baseball is a game of cheating right and anyone who says anything otherwise is, is wrong and just oblivious just to everything going on yeah like if playing baseball my whole life, if there's a way, like I've been pulled aside many a times being like, hey, kid's tipping his pitch when he, you know, like when he touches his hat, forward throws, it's a curveball. And you see that and you slaughter the kid. And then when he goes to the dugout crying and doesn't know why you're smoking, I'm like, that, that's how it goes, right? That That's the way the game works. Um, I do think using video recording equipment is, and is over the line. Um, however, uh, I think I've said this previously on this show before. But I, I want my team to ride or die together and to be willing to cheat. So the actual the actual only issue that I've had with anyone involved in this scandal, because for the most part, like they denied it in the beginning because clearly they all got together and were like, what do we do here? All right, let's deny this. We can get away with it. Then when more came out and Major League Baseball said like, yeah, you guys did this. They were like, all right, now we kind of got to apologize a little bit. Um AJ Hinch allegedly broke the video equipment several times. It made it difficult for everyone. That is a problem because it creates a, a fissure in the clubhouse so that he makes everyone else feel guilty and feel like they're doing something wrong, which they are. However, like they need to all have a meeting at a certain point there. Like it's gotta be like how every bank robber movie ever, right? After they, they robbed mm-hmm. five banks and they're like, All right, guys, like I'm out. I'm not doing any more. Like we had a good run. And then there's always the one asshole that's like, no, we got to do one more. This is the biggest hit ever. We got to get it. If you don't, if you don't take, if you don't agree on things together, that's when everything comes apart. That's when three people die, half of them go to jail in the movie. Like, and that's exactly what we saw with all of this stuff is they weren't on the same page. 
It looks horrible for AJ Hinch, and he'll likely he'll never get a job again outside of this. I thought he would before this point, but I don't think he will. Alex Cora is looking at a pretty steep ban. I don't I don't know if they've spoken out on all of that stuff entirely yet. It's got to be um, a lifetime ban, but I mean I I'm not completely convinced AJ Hinch isn't getting another job, but Alex Cora will never see the light of day at least in in the MLB again. I don't think. Because that that was huge. Carlos Beltran, and the, I even have a hard time believing he may ever see Major League Baseball again. And this this ruined like. But at the end of the day, like I think this ruins more careers than just say AJ Hinch's and the Alex Cores. I don't feel bad for them. They legitimately made the decision to to yeah. cheat and to use technology to cheat. I feel bad for like the U Dervishes of the world who. Those, those pitchers who they feel like they were getting hit around because they weren't good and teams looked at that and they said, I'm not paying you $10 million, but I'll pay you $6 million. That cost some name. people a lot of money. It did. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, I mean, your heart has to break for the guy. I mean, that's part of the reason he was getting stopped in the playoffs is because the Astros were, were blatantly cheating on him. Um, yep. I also think the biggest break in this is, yeah, like, all press is good press, but Major League Baseball handled this about as poorly as they handle everything else. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is January. We're still talking about baseball, which is awesome. I, I love spring training. I love the fact that I'm having talks about baseball with people every single day. But Major League Baseball just gave all of the players amnesty, which is unbelievable. I, I don't know how they could do that. But then they also thought that people would talk about it and be honest in the media and stuff. And then, you know, now none of the players are speaking out. They're not going to give the truth and stuff on it because they need to protect themselves to stay healthy. Like, it's just created this, like, ugly tension behind things. And yet again, the public is just looking at baseball being like, all right, well, this is just a game of a bunch of cheaters. Like, I don't know if I want my kids to do that. Like, I don't know if I want them watching this. Like, they turned something that could have been an awesome opportunity for, for them to be, you know, a cohesive uh, organization. And just completely ruined it. Now I'm even angry at, me, at Major League Baseball. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing over there. Yeah, I mean, it's so difficult. Like, the, the way that the handling of this situation, the, having the involvement of Scott Boris and his comments now, having the, the, the people involved, they they should have done something more about this situation. That I don't think it should have been squashed, obviously, because you can't. This is something people want to talk about. This is something people want answers for. The Kershaws of the world, the Darvishes of the world, they, they, they want answers like, because they want to know how they get away with this. Like, what do you, what do you want, though? Like, as fans, you know, we're, we're all fans of the game of baseball. We're all fans of, of what, for 162 times a year, we, we get to watch the Philadelphia Phillies play, you know. And, like, what, what would you what would you want the punishment to be? What would you have wanted your stance? Like, Scott, you already said that you would – want your your team to be completely you know like a like a band of brothers in there like this is this is the direction of us that's unrealistic like i'm sorry it's never gonna happen you're not gonna get a clubhouse of 40 people plus the minor leagues plus the system guys you know everyone who's involved in that someone is eventually going to sit there and you're gonna have that guilty conscience or you're gonna fucking go to another team and you're gonna say hey we had this great idea over there that brought us a lot of success Why, why don't we try this here like to think that this is only going on in Houston is also small minded. So to me, it's either as baseball, you, you have to come in, you have to shut this down. You have to say, we have reason to believe that this is happening. 
and you know we're, we're gonna should we find definitive proof and evidence you know for any organization astros whatever this is going to be the penalty like we, we're gonna set this now should we not this is your official warning like take your step back like if, if you've gotten away with it thus far find a new fucking way but they didn't and this like wishy-washy you know they they came out before they had all the facts or at least before they had the facts they wanted to present to us and that's a problem but like for, as fans like connor what, what what would you want from major league baseball in this instance what do you do you want them to ban these players do you want them to ban the the organization and anyone who was affiliated to this point and basically just replacement level them like what what, what I think would it's make so, you happy i think it's so difficult for them to do that especially now because of what like scott boris said he's bringing there's so many different sides to this now that scott boris said well they were just following along like robots well we shouldn't blindly follow along like like robots like i was saying earlier so the players should definitely I mean, if you're going to suspend people for PEDs, which I don't consider that as bad of cheating. I really don't we're care talking you about PEDs. right now. Nope. Like if we're talking right this very minute, okay, sure, you, it gives you more power. Doesn't mean that you're more. Doesn't mean you're getting more hits. Doesn't mean you're going to be more focused on the ball. You don't know that. You don't. We we don't know the full ramifications of what the PEDs doing for for that person. Everybody's body reacts differently to here's, it. Here's my problem with all of it, and. You can look across the board in sports like we can we can agree, like take a look at the NBA, like who, who is like the evil empire of the NBA right now? You take the a Lakers. look at it. It's the Lakers, right? It's really L.A. and L.A. Because of their um, skill, but, yeah. not because of their cheating, because of their skill, no, because they're, of the players. That's they, what I'm it doesn't matter well. why well, they are analytically. Every, everyone does. I mean. Watch last night's game. LeBron got 48 calls that no one else did for for Philadelphia. But that it, it's not what matters. The, the NBA has a villain, and that villain isn't the NBA. That villain isn't this cloud of cheating or, or these scandals. This villain is a team that 30 other teams, 31 other teams are, are going out night in and night out saying, this is the team that we need to top at the end of the year. Baseball, for years, it was the Yankees. Well, the Yankees really aren't a villain anymore. Like, they're a very likable team. Like, the, everyone that came from that era is now since gone. The MLB doesn't have a villain in baseball. They don't exist. What they had was this this quickest turnaround, it, true quickest turnaround in baseball in Houston that everyone jumped on with, and, and it was, how fun is this team? Man, this is how you do it. You know, th this was, it was them and the Cubs and how, how they both went from these awful organizations to three years flooding their system with, with unbelievable talent, making great, you know, marginal decisions at deadlines and off seasons. And, and they, they loved them, but we didn't have a villain in baseball. You know, we didn't have a, a, a Pittsburgh Penguins. We didn't have an LA Lakers. We didn't have Tom Brady and the Patriots and, and Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. We didn't have that in baseball. All baseball needed to do was let this fucking team and organization become the unanimous villain. Not the scandal. Let this team be the villain. And I, that's think a they, sexy I think they are the villain. I think they, they're, they're not, though. Baseball they're, they're not. The yeah. Baseball is right now. People hate baseball. People don't. I mean, people are displeased, obviously, with Houston, but they're naive to think that this doesn't go on in every city in, in the sport. Baseball had the opportunity to sit there and make one team and one organization at the peak of their success basically the peak of their success, the villain. And they didn't. They made themselves the villain. That's a yeah. problem. Baseball's an unattractive, unlikable sport right now. It's an unlikable organization. It could have just been one team. 
Yeah, I mean, it's That's a shame a to think side. about. It's a shame to think about the MLB in that way, but it more or less is exactly what they are right now. They they get too involved in the situation in that way that they they make themselves look bad, like what Scott was alluding to earlier. Like they 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 and like you're alluding to now, they just make themselves look bad because of what they do and because of what they say. They, they could have maybe let this roll out a bit more, but eventually punishment had to happen. I don't I don't think we can deny that punishment has to come of this because of technology. I mean, we all know everybody cheats in baseball. It's probably the easiest sport to cheat in. So uh, when all's said and done, I mean, it, it's just so it's so so sad what what baseball is doing for itself. I, I would consider myself more of a follower than a, like a religious lover of baseball. And this is just pushing me further away because the other sports are doing everything in their power to make things better. And the NHL is doing things to get better. The NBA is doing things to get better. The NFL is constantly doing things to get better. And MLB, it feels like they just can't get on the right track to making things better. And Now, had they left the Astros as the sole villain of this, would you still be exactly as you just presented that statement right now? Or would you be more inclined to sit there and say, well, I'm still looking forward to, to the baseball season. I'm still looking forward to these things. I'm I'm more than the casual fan. I, I'm speaking about it on a podcast because I am an, an ecstatic fan. I'd be I'd be following it more, but more for the fact of the Astros and to see what comes of it and to see if the cheating stops and to see where the end of the you're scandal is. That. It's like, no, you're never going to truly know that. But it's kind of like that TV show. You just keep waiting. We're waiting. We're at like this point. In the middle, where we're at like a climax, and now it's like, well, where do we go from here? And then here? the top Obviously falls over. Down, and but... everything was still a fucking dream. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that, that, well, you never know. Maybe, maybe that's what this is going to turn into. We're going to sit Layer there. Layer six of like, the dream. Wow. Holy shit balls. We're all in DiCaprio's brain. Nuts. <laughs> it, it's tough. The, the MLB is going to be really difficult. It, it, it's going to be tough to see what the future holds for MLB. Like I said, I'm more of the casual follower. I know you, Shane, you watch it a lot closer. You're what you're like, you're like the Phillies are probably one of your top teams all time, top teams in the Philly sports. But I just, I just can't get behind baseball right now. I just can't. And I know that they're trying to do things to speed up the game and stuff, but I just don't think that that's even going to change anything. So it should be interesting to see what the rest of this offseason brings to the majors. And, and obviously it's your game of intelligent baseball. human. Oh, baseball's made for very smart people, Connor. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just not smart enough. I, I don't like the analytics constantly. I, a sport based almost solely around analytics is just right, not like something I can fully get by. Yes, I love the Eagles, and I know there's analytics to They're like football. the second I most analytical that. team in football. But yeah, I, the Flyers? I They're the one Flyers. of the they are one of the top analytical teams with the top analytical organizations in all of hockey. Yeah, but, but you don't when love you analytics. Watch, you just but when you watch those games, when you watch those teams play, can you see yes. the analytics playing out? When he goes for it on fourth there and you're like, oh, there's some analytics behind it. But do you sit there and think about the analytics of yes. that game when that? Well, then oh, you're it's... just not enjoying the, the fucking sport, Shane. If you sit yeah, there and you're I like, I wonder analytics. what analytical thought like, process is going through their head when they go for that fourth damn. You play I chess? sit there and I'm pumped. I'm, I sit there and I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. I'm like, this is fourth and two. I can't wait to see what happens. And I leave it to Tony Romo and Chris Collinsworth and all of them to talk about the analytics of it. I just enjoy the sport. 
Well, I'm glad that you're entertained. I am absolutely entertained. What do you watch sports for? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, I guess you're going to law school, so maybe you like to delve and dig deeper into that stuff. But I like information. I like understanding things at their full value. Oh, all right. So on on this law school topic, actually, this is a good way to break into it, right? So punishments are created to stop people from doing the same thing over and over again, right? That's why yeah. there's a strict substance abuse policy in baseball. And I think it's worked, actually. It's deterred people from doing steroids now because baseball has made their peace and said, hey, whether you guys like it or not, you can't do steroids and play in baseball fair right so you, you end up getting you know the the 45 day ban then the year ban then the two-year ban and then lifetime right. ban, whatever the fuck happens with it i don't know what do you guys think they're laying out as the punishment for this going forward because it's gonna happen again and it's going to come out again of course to deter people from doing it i don't think baseball's done a good job on that i don't but think that's they something... need to do a good job yet i think they need to see what happens with what with what their viewership happened uh, you know for 2020 how it works out, how it shakes out. If this brings upon more business, you may be looking at, you know, hey, you, you, your manager suspended for half a season, something dumb. But if, if it works out that it's bringing more people to because they got to see what crazy shit's going to happen next, they have to sit there because they, they want to sit there and see, can I hear a banging trash can? Can I hear a cowbell somewhere? Are they tipping? Like, what's going on? If it brings them more money and brings them more viewership and it, and it increases the fan or the likelihood of a fan to, to be a repeat watch fan, these are not going to be the harshest of penalties, I don't think. People got angry with with the steroid era because they felt like, the, like these things were disingenuous. Right now, they again, they, they feel like the MLB is the problem, not the scandal itself, if that makes sense. So I don't know what yeah. they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it should be really interesting. I think the majors, it's they're like a soap opera. They are the most soap opera-like NBA. Sport. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. not, not completely. Look at the MLB. Look at what you just said. People don't go to the NBA games to see, to, to talk about, to see that. Or are you kidding to me? Hear bang and yeah, drums Did you watch the Sixers track. game last night? Everyone tunes in for the Lakers for that. There's always that team, but the league in sure. general, I don't believe, is like a soap opera compared to baseball. It absolutely is. <laughs> oh, my God. It yeah. is reality TV for men. Yeah. Or that, for, that's I shouldn't say men. Like it's it. 2020, and that's going to offend somebody. But it, that's <laughs> yeah, what it careful. is. It's, careful, 20, careful. <laughs> it's a soap opera for, are, for people are, of are, the NBA enjoying yeah. yeah, we we are we are not going to get into that in in this in the on this show where we we won't go there. It's probably we the are, we we support anybody and their choices. Um, well, from punishments, we'll we'll move on because that that debate will rage for the remainder of the season. More things will come out, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about punishments well, in baseball. This. Last thing on this one, like, and this happens all across the board in sports. I, I've never felt like like you take a look at the NFL and and I can't even remember the receiver's name. Jack is Jacksonville Jaguars receiver Blackman. Is that right? Justin, Justin Blackman. Blackman. Yeah. Justin Blackman. Yeah. Um, multiple marijuana things. Right. And, and he loses his career as a first round talent. He, he was you know who knows what he was going to be, but he loses his career. Same thing with you know with Josh Gordon. I mean he has issues beyond just weed, but still mm -hmm. it is what it is. These guys are, are getting bans for 
fucking weed that is legal most places that you can find wherever you want. And it doesn't, it's less dangerous than alcohol. Like why is that a lifetime ban, but you beat the well, shit we out know, of somebody. We, we know, arguably, we know that, that, that the NFL is way too strict on marijuana. And if they want their players to, to well, lead longer and healthier careers, marijuana is the way to go. Look at the people on the sideline. They're getting shot up with like, shit that's way worse for you than marijuana and these people are taking marijuana to relieve the pain and to relieve anxiety and to relieve, like look at brandon brooks that's what i'm saying so like where would you layer and tier the severities of these penalties going back to scott's thing you know baseball you take a look at it and they have a very strict thing for for their ped policies now i don't know that they're exactly i mean they're they're starting to with domestic violence but like how do you tier you know just it's technically disgracing the game of baseball, you know, and you're you're impacting the the betting worlds and betting markets. Like, how do you tier this kind of a scandal in terms of, of penalties? Like, how do, how do you guys think that the MLB is gonna gonna do this? Is this going to be a, an immediate? I mean, we're we're hearing about it once, and these guys get their one year ban. And you're right, Scott. These guys aren't getting jobs again. It's just not gonna happen. Where do you guys tier this? I think cheating, like cheating, with the involvement of like if it's banging on a on a on a trash can which that we we don't even know for sure if that was something tipping something off or, or cheating but when you know when you have the physical proof that there's cheating like the technology that they're saying and using technology that's when you've crossed the line and that has to be near the top that has to be up there with the domestic violence because it's bad for the game it hurts the game it hurts the sport it hurts the integrity of the sport marijuana use is not hurting the integrity of the sport peds are not hurting unless you're justin verlander peds are not hurting the integrity of any sport i mean maybe in football it might be different but like i said in baseball it's not making you necessarily a better hitter when you make the contact it might make you a more powerful hitter you might get 15 20 more home runs a year because of the power that you got no you won't but that's not necessary it's not proven you can't prove that the peds are doing that that's my thing but you can prove and it's this technology launch angle analytics (laughs) and you like amazon web services so you, yeah, <laughs> this podcast yeah, is sponsored by Amazon Web <laughs> Web Services. <laughs> Bezos, get at us. <laughs> I think I think oh, personally shit. though, like like you gotta you gotta put cheating with the use of technology at the top. You gotta, you just gotta. That that's just it's not. I think domestic violence and like murder and that stuff. That's obviously at the very very top. Those things, you know, you it is. <laughs> Well, you got side murder. I just watched Aaron Hernandez's documentary, so you got yeah, side know. murder in there. You I know it is what it is. NFL players getting shot up on the sidelines. You've never seen anyone get shot up on a sideline. <laughs> Do you remember no, Playmakers, the, the ESPN show? The ESPN show. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. they were they <laughs> were like fair. smoking crack and like in between halftime. So. <laughs> It's crazy though that 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 stuff does well maybe not the crack but that stuff does happen in in football. They're, they're it absolutely like, does. If yeah. You, if you watch those documentaries, they're talking about shooting cortisone shots and stuff. I can tell you that cortisone shots are way worse for you than marijuana, and they're gonna hurt the longevity of your life. And God knows what that's doing to your body. And I know that people say the same thing. Marijuana. Well, you don't know what marijuana is doing to your body. There isn't enough long-term research. Well, marijuana's been around forever. So if they're trying to prove something, they're not doing a good job of proving it because it's been around forever and no one's really every time someone looks into it you never really hear an end to the story 
So we already know that the NFL's policy on, on marijuana is way too excessive, way too much. And and it, it continues to come up as more things with CT and stuff come up. If people want to handle pain that way, they should be allowed to handle pain the way they want to in that way. If they'd rather smoke a joint before a game than do a cortisone shot, I I'd be I think I'm okay with that as long as it doesn't impact the game. But it's so it's tough. Yeah, if, we're, if we're tiering punishment, it's a very difficult thing to do because you have to start setting a precedent, and no league is setting enough precedent. Everybody gets a different type of punishment. Yeah, and that, that's what it comes down to, and that's where the the legal stuff it, it is fun, but that's why there's a commission around, and, and you know this is the first instance of something like this coming up, and being on this size level for a scandal, um, they do have to set a precedent going forward. That That's something that has to come out of this. Similar to the, the PED things, like it or not, they did a good job handling that because they felt the PEDs, you know, tarnish the brand that Major League Baseball is. Same thing with the with the NFL. I think with, with drugs and stuff, they've, they've set their, they've put their flag in the sand and said, nope, don't do this. We are against it. If you if you break this rule, this is what will happen. Like it or not, and, that, and that's, they've, that's and they've it tiered it too. They've tiered it. They give you yes. that stage one, stage two, stage three, stage one. You get half a season. Stage two is a full season. Stage three is a lifetime ban. You get those. They've tiered it off so that we don't have to tier it off. But with this, this is a whole different type of of tiering because cheating can come at so many different levels, and it's just so hard to decide what is an effective punishment or or how you tear the punishment off so it's such it's going to be so difficult for the mlb going forward because everyone's always going to come out and say well is this cheating is that cheating if we're reading a guy tipping their pitches off is that going to be cheating what level of what level are we going to be there am i going to get banned half a year if i admit that he tipped a pitch off like it makes it extremely difficult on the mlb i think but it, the it end, does like but said, that that's why they get paid millions and millions of dollars to create these rules. So I am looking forward to the athletic article that will come out breaking all of this down again for the 47th time midway through the baseball season. And we'll get some interviews of it. We'll get the commission coming out and talking about it. And, you know, until then, we can only just sit here and argue while, while I lay on my bed and yell at my friends across the country about why <laughs> I think that cheating is good for baseball or you know, whatever it has to be. So uh, I don't well, know. We'll move on. We'll move on from this topic because <laughs> clearly the caffeine uh, is becoming an issue if we continue Whoa. on with punishments <laughs> in baseball. So have you thought that maybe you're just wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think it's caffeine. <laughs> I think Scott's just right. <laughs> maybe Scott's just an angry man. Maybe he's just trying to prove a point. <laughs> Well, I, I live on the beach, so every, everyone on the beach is just naturally like throwing shakas, and, you know, peace, love, and happiness at all times. So he's yeah. got to balance it out over there. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I like that. So maybe we can move on to a less angry topic. So, so Probably. I'm gonna skip the load management. We'll come back to that. I think that's gonna get pretty <laughs> aggressive. Let's go with the owner's involvement in sports. Um, now, Shane, I guess you, you you were the one who presented this topic. So, I mean, I kind of want to hear what your side of it and the owner. Who, who, which owner, which owner's involvement in Philly sports got you thinking about this topic again? <laughs> um, honestly, it was Jeffrey Lurie, whom I don't think is a bad owner. Um, I, I think he is an overly involved owner to the day-to-day -day side. 
Um, so what I would want out of, out of anything, if I, ideally, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a passive income, right? If, if you're owning something, you're, you're not necessarily there, uh, you know, in the nitty gritty day to day type of things. Like you are probably an owner and that wealthy because you've made really good business decisions and you really understand people and you know what the philosophy and culture that you want to bring to your city and to your team or organization. And you've put the necessary people in place. Now, should an owner be saying, Doug, I know you want to keep these people, but uh, the people don't and I don't. So they're gone. Well, then his issue isn't with the people he just fired. It isn't with Mike Grow or Press Taylor. His issue is he doesn't trust Doug Peterson to put the culture and everything behind that culture in place because he won't fire those guys. So his issues with Doug Peterson and that's wrong. I don't think like, I don't love Doug Peterson, but I, I recognize him for what he is here and I would not move on from him. And if Doug wanted those guys here, as he indicated at that press conference, well then they should still fucking be here. Whether or not we agree with it or not, Doug agrees with it. And if that's the culture that he's, you know, branding in his locker room, the locker room that Jeffrey Lurie has entrusted to Howie Roseman to is entrusted to, to Doug Peterson then leave him the fuck alone and let him do his job with the people that he wants to do his job. If this doesn't work out and it very well may, because we don't look, we, we all scream for firings throughout the year and then it happened and we're like, why are you firing these guys? It's crazy. Like nothing makes us happy, but like, that's why we're not running the fucking Philadelphia Eagles. And it happens all across sports. It happens well beyond the cities of Philadelphia. At a certain point, if you are an owner, you need to trust the fact that you have put people in a position to succeed and you have trust the direction that you want your organization going, let them do their jobs. If you need to replace someone, you replace the person who's like right beneath, right beneath you. And then you have a conversation with the next person and you say, are we on the same page with this direction? What do we think we need to do? Yeah. Well, I think like that, that's the way it should work in, in every league and with every owner, but it's, all too often that they're so so much more involved in that and they just want to skip the levels and the tiers that they put in place of people like owning a sports team is like nothing like owning like these big companies apparently because they put the people in place and when they don't like what someone's doing the owner might fire the person below them and hire someone for that position right below them but they don't go all the way down to the people manager who's like 10 tiers below them fires them and gets in involved as far as that goes or in, gets involved in the human resources department. But in, in football and in, in all sports, it seems like that's all they want to do is they want to be involved because they don't feel like they're doing enough because, like you said, they're passive. They, they passively get all the money out of this and they don't necessarily have to do a whole lot of work. They just got to put the right people in place to do all the work for them. And I mean, yeah, I guess like what what does that say to your team? What does that say to your your people when well, when Doug Peterson's sitting there in a presser one day the, the day before saying, yeah, these people are going to still be with me. And the next day they're gone and news comes out that it was Jeffrey Laurie who wanted them gone. Like what so, does that say to you about your team, to your fans and the culture? And what does it say like if to make a purely a decision, a decision based purely on the game of football? With whom are you going to trust more? The guy who, who had a career as a backup quarterback and has won you a Super Bowl as an NFL head coach or the guy who cuts a check? Mm. Like, exactly. why, the, why the fuck would you ch trust Jeffrey Lurie 
at, at the end of the day to be the, the final decision maker on all those things. I understand that it's his money and his investment, just as I understand that it is with John Middleton. And there are certain things that the owners do have to step into. A lot went wrong in that Philadelphia Phillies press conference uh, after Gabe Kapler was let go. And that is one thing that I did agree with, where that at a certain point, when there is a franchise-altering directional change, an identity change, yes, should be involved in the conversation. Well, I mean, there's a big reason why we have an executive of the year award and not an owner of the year award, because the executive is the person who's supposed to build that team, who's supposed to build the personnel, who's supposed to get the right people in place. And it feels like all too often, like look at the Jerry Jones situation. He was fully all hands in on the Mike McCarthy situation. It was not. It was 100% him who hired Mike McCarthy, and it was 100% him who made the firing of Jason Garrett happen. And there was nobody that else wasn't. involved. I can. Oh, I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you. It was basically all him. I think it was literally everyone else in the organization against Jerry Jones, and that's why he finally broke down and fired his best friend. But you know that he was all in on on that that like the firing of it happening like he he it was probably him and jason garrett in the room and they just kept going back and forth and that's why it took days to happen because he went back and then he'd go back to like stephen jones's son who's in charge of all this stuff and he'd say well jason garrett brought up a good point about the sleepovers we have or whatever like at the end of the day like that's the type of stuff like and then you look at mike mccarthy you i guarantee you stephen jones and anybody else on the executive team had no say in that and had no hands in on that that was a hundred percent jerry jones and i think you can't you can look no further than our division to see way too involved owners washington of course new york giants dallas cowboys philadelphia eagles i don't think you have to look very far like you got, I know that people would love to point to Stephen Kraft or yeah, the Kraft too. But no, he, I don't find him that involved. He's got Bill Belichick in place. He trusts Bill Belichick to make all the decisions under him. Even though he's just a coach and player personnel guy, he trusts him to do everything below him, and he trusts his guys. And that's what Jeffrey Lurie needs to find if he doesn't trust Doug Peterson like that, or if he doesn't trust Howie Roseman like that. And I think. You, as an owner, you create the way that you're going to manage the team as soon as you write that giant check at the beginning, sign the agreement, and work on it, right? You can be a Mark Cuban who's out there in the stands every single night yelling at the refs, getting suspended, taking interviews, doing all that stuff, and, you know, working on all the problems. Jerry Jones is another great example of that, whether you like him or not. He's involved in his team. It's his team. So when you go to the Dallas Cowboys, you understand that you report to Jerry Jones, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, or you can sign off. And I'm trying to think of someone say like um, team like the the Sacramento Kings or someone someone like that, where you guys like we don't even know who the owner is at all. He's just Vladi. sitting there cutting checks. Or oh, the owner, Vladi, sorry, the owner. Yeah, exactly. So Vladi's the the face of all that stuff, right? The owner has taken it upon himself to be like, all right, this is a purely business decision for me. Maybe I got like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have Saudi money. I think that's actually who owns the the Kings or something like that. But I have to, I, I, I got to research that, that a little right. bit more. But yeah, sure. We'll just, we'll just roll with that because it doesn't matter where their money comes from. But they go, hey, I have a lot of this, like to protect <laughs> it. I want more. I'm going to surround myself with the best people who can make these decisions. 
And guess what? When they don't perform, I'm going to fire them. And those guys know why they're getting fired. But when it, it's it's not fair to the, I guess, to those guys or the Jerry Jones of the world to say either one is right. I think you make that decision. And when a problem occurs is if, say, you know, Jeffrey Lurie decides now, like, all right, well, I'm going to be the most involved guy in sports. I'm going to be Jerry Jones now for the Eagles. That's not what everyone signed up for when they came here. And that's going to rub people the wrong way. So I have a lot of respect for the Mark Cubans of the world. I have a lot of respect for the Jerry Jones of the world. Like them or not, that this is what they think makes their business run. And they're both making a lot of money. But at the end of the day, you know what you're getting into when you work for them. So if you're angry at them saying, oh, they're too involved, not letting me do my job. Like, guess what, buddy? You, you know what you're getting into. So just don't work for that company if you can't handle it. That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a fair point. But I mean, I guess there's also the false promise and the false premise that, that owners will give you or that, that owners will give off. All too often, you might get promoted at a job and they'll say, you're going to have full autonomy over this stuff. And just the minute you make a decision they don't like or you're bringing in a player they don't like, say, because they have PD bat in the past or something, then then well, then what's the situation? You're, you're given this false promise. You're given this false premise uh, of of being able to do this or being able to do that. When you're called the director of player personnel, you expect to handle player personnel, not to have Jeffrey Laurie walk into your office every day and say, so what are we doing with player personnel? What are we doing with the players we have? What are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? You put those people in place for a reason. He should be coming to Howie Roseman and saying, you got to get in that guy's room, that guy's office because he's – He's not doing something right, or we don't have the right people in place, we don't have the right players in place, but instead these owners go right to the person in, in charge of that, and they say, what's going on here? And I think the problem that it all came from, or that it all comes from, is as like this world has evolved into this very social media-driven world, and it's instant gratification, instant results, and I mean, go anywhere for anything, and people are fucking terrified that they're going to end up on Yelp or Twitter or Facebook or whatever because shit, they screwed up their burger at a fast food joint and people aren't going to come here anymore. Now that, you know, poor franchise owners got to sit there and think, shit, can my kid afford to go to school this year? Owners in, in sports are different. It's just now everyone is talking about their shit, not just the five people who go to McDonald's once a week. You know, for Jeffrey Lurie, I mean, we are the most vocal or amongst the most vocal and passionate fans all across sports and everyone was clamoring. I got, I didn't hear anyone vehemently defending Mike Rowe or press Taylor. Jeffrey Lurie knows that he's on the pulse with that. He understands the city. He's been here for a long time. The problem that I have is if he's going to be involved, he needs to educate himself on as to why this is a correct decision. I don't trust him to do that. Like I really don't. To me, this was, like this almost felt like this was a like a PR decision. This was the people want these guys out because they didn't see definitive results out of the players that we drafted and whatever, whatever. You know, the offense sputtered for a long time. And, and these are the people that they, they want gone. We're not going to get rid of Carson. We're not going to get rid of Doug. Howie Roseman's here because, you know, he's, what, two years removed from an executive uh, of the year or, or whatever it was. You know, he made a decision because we wouldn't shut the fuck up on Twitter. 
That's, That's what I was the problem. Say. It feels like someone went into his office because I'm going to assume Jeffrey Lurie is not very good with the uh, Twitter machine. So I'm just going to assume someone said, look at what all the people are saying about Mike Rowe. Look what all the people are saying about Press Taylor. Look at like and he basically said, oh, we can't have this. This isn't good for us. This isn't good for our team. Even if he thought they were the right people in place, he said, oh, we can't do this. We can't have this. Just like that might have been the reason why. He didn't go. They didn't go for certain players. Why? How he didn't go for certain players was because they saw the what some people were saying about a Jadavion Clowney, and he's like, "Oh, and Jeffrey Lewis, oh, we can't do that." What's crazy? And I don't mean to cut you off, but what's crazy no. is for an organization that is that, in in my opinion, right now is being operated so so much so in fear of the public perception of the decisions that are made. This was not the case for Andy Reid. There was a trust in Andy Reid. Andy Reid brought some questionable characters up in here. And sure, people got pissed off, but we said ride with it. Jeffrey Lurie was Jeffrey Lurie. said, do your thing. And it fucking worked for a lot of the way. Here, there is not, and I don't know at what point, like Andy Reid had a lot of success for a long time, but never won the big game. Mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, w- with with Carson Wentz in, in year two, and then a backup quarterback for the remainder of that, goes out there and wins the Super Bowl. So at what point does he earn the respect to say, "Hey, it, it's not you know a, a Michael Vick who, who's had extreme legal troubles; it's a offensive coordinator and a." quarterbacks coach or wide excuse me wide receivers coach who really mean nothing like in the grand scheme of thing but i want to keep them here so they're going to be here why doesn't he have that respect he wants well, i can i can agree with that because i think that jeffrey Lurie lost trust because of the end of the andy reed saga and as well as the chip kelly one as short and as brief as it was they gave him basically player personnel and coaching personnel they gave him almost full autonomy over that stuff and look what he did he destroyed the Eagles, and thank God Doug Peterson so came in and rebuilt it Doug so quickly. Peterson pay for your ex. Well, yeah, definitely. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree with that statement so and that sentiment. Howie Roseman's fucking wrong, or not Howie Roseman? Jeffrey Lurie's wrong. Like that's just that's what this is. He has crossed a line of involvement right now. Where that you leave it to Howie Roseman and you leave it to Doug Peterson, I it. would have way more faith in those two men than most other duos throughout the NFL right now. Like I would have a hard time saying I trust any other duo of coach and executive anywheres because those two guys know what they're doing. Howie knows what he's doing with his player personnel decisions and his contracts and that that's his forte that's what he does and then there's Doug Peterson who knows everything about who he needs as far as players and he can go to Howie and talk to Howie about it and he knows everything he needs on his coaching staff and he should be able to say I'm gonna call the plays but why don't we get this like young up-and-coming offensive coordinator why don't we do something like right now the rumor is Josh McCowan could come in as the offensive coordinator and that that screams Jeffrey Laurie and his love for what he did what Josh McCowan did throughout the season. That I feel like that has Jeffrey Lloyd's fingerprints all over it if they hire Josh McCowan as offensive coordinator. I mean, do you have an offensive coordinator solution right now? It's like got to be one of the least attractive jobs in sports to come here and not call plays for Doug Peterson, well, one quarterback who's basically I, I an MVP candidate. I agree, and I get that. So but who better than you? Some, you? It doesn't feel like they're really trying. 
if you want my honest opinion, it doesn't feel like they're really I trying. Like nine really names looking. dropped out there. There's been names dropped out, but how many had interviews? Like three or four of them actually had physical in-person interviews, and some of them chose to go back. Obviously, when they said they were interviewing USC's offensive coordinator, you knew you knew he was going back. You don't come from the college ranks to the NFL ranks just to sit there and and help scheme a strategy with the head coach. You're you're coming up here to call the place so that you can be that next head coach. Uh, you won't be that like next Matt Rule, but obviously. He was going to take that extra step by being the offensive coordinator, but he's like, I'm never going to be that next Matt Rule if I take this offensive coordinator job. That's the that's, thing. That's why you got to go and you got to get someone who's okay with it, someone who maybe like like. The I only thing you have to get someone like a Josh McCown who who's really just pretty okay with coming in there and helping be a 10 percent piece to the offensive successes or a failures. Player motivator, basically. Or you get a recently fired head coach who. who knows he wants to get back into the head coaching game is pretty okay with just sitting on the sidelines for a year, collecting the paycheck and patting his resume for getting credit for shit that he really didn't do. And then he's going to go back out there after his effectively a year off. And then he's going to go take a, a coaching job with the fucking Jags or something. But I mean, like, look at, look at this situation with Mike Crow. We know we knew Doug Peterson was making all the play calls. We knew Doug Peterson was doing everything. He was, he's the mind behind, behind that offense. Nobody week in and week out would confront Doug Peterson. It was always you Twitter go to did. Twitter. Mike Grow was rip being ripped week in and week out. Doug Peterson was not. Do you just mute Doug Peterson on Twitter because he's been effectively <laughs> just slaughtered week in and week out for play calling? Well, maybe maybe we got different people on Twitter because I we saw have Mike the same no, people. I saw, came from no, the same the network. Play, no, the play calling. Yes, the play calling. He got effectively ripped for that. But look at the. Look at like the wide receiver situation. It, it was immediately Micro and the wide receiving coach. Who Why? Well, may, mostly Micro. Why? Grow We've had a different wide receiver coach every fucking year for the last half decade. Who's so making why, that much of an imprint? And why, why are they well, fired? Are you who? Uh, what are you going to do with that wide receiving court? Were you going to do something with that? Who knows? I would have loved to have seen Shane Mead do that. Drop at a school and go be the wide receiving coach. I'm pretty sure it's a still vacant role right now. The only role is. we've I'll actually I get one year filled. with those guys, and when they don't get any better or any worse, and they just stay out there with the same route trees and the same strengths and weaknesses, and they still don't get put out there in an effective position to succeed, I'll get fired, and Doug Peterson will keep his fucking job. But you'll write a great you know, book that we'll definitely an, read. You might make enough money <laughs> to end up paying for law school again. You can re-enter it then. <laughs> you just would catch Maybe. all the flack. I don't know how much you think that. that a quarterback coach is going to make on a first-year dime, a 30-year-old with one ACL. It's a wide receiver. <laughs> First of all, you're not going to be the quarterback coach. You're going to be the wide receiving coach. I Whatever wouldn't trust you with about. Carson Wentz. But I would Carson trust Wentz you with trust anyone I would, with Carson Wentz. I would trust you with the likes of Nelson Aguilar and, and Alshon Jeffrey. That I can see Shane working really well there because they all have about half their body parts left too. So you guys can all really work together well, I think. All right, well, that's just you can hurts. sit in the ice baths together and stuff. Bonding <laughs> moments. Yeah. That's really what it's all about. <laughs> it's cute that Connor thought that this topic wasn't going to bring out the same amount of anger on a debate show, Connor. Your own debate show. Well, now that we're going to bring out less minutes, than. Now that we're 50 minutes deep with two topics to go, I guess we have to prepare to debate and to be angry. So let's get into this load management topic. So I'm going to start. I will say my my very brief two cents. 
because uh, I know you guys are probably just going to rip for the next 10 minutes. I am completely against load management. And I hate the concept of load management. And I'm on the I'm on the side of those fans who get upset when they show up to see LeBron James and Anthony Davis play, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are off because of load management. I just don't think I I I don't deny that it's it's probably good for the players. I don't deny that it might be good for the players. We witnessed it with Kawhi Leonard. It was good for Kawhi Leonard. He played 50 games in the regular season, and fans got frustrated when they showed up to witness, like, a, uh, I think one of the games was like a Damian Lillard versus Kawhi Leonard showdown, and Kawhi Leonard was rested. Let me ask you like, something real quick while, while you're in the middle of your spiel. Um, you work for Coca-Cola, right? Absolutely. Do they know who you are? Do, Do they, they give a shit who you are? Oh, God, no. Are you a number? All right, so should LeBron James feel like a number? Like, do you feel like shit that your company does, like, just treats you like a number? Because what you're saying is we don't care about you, LeBron. We don't care that how much profitability you've brought to this game. Get your workhorse house out there and play 82 games a year, even though you physically can't fucking do it. It could be it could be anybody, honestly. I like, don't yeah, care. I mean, it Name doesn't have to be X. just Insert LeBron anyone. James. But well, yeah, you're you telling them that they like don't get an, the right to but be But how a come? Human. How come the other guys on the team? How come you don't watch Tobias Harris get get load managed? He how will come get he's load not managed in year three, four, and five of that contest. You think so? Absolutely. Well, we'll end up having to open up. We'll Josh Richardson's already getting it because he's had always had these nagging injuries. What I'm saying is what you're what you're preaching is the NBA. You've mentioned it earlier in this show that all sports are trying to do things to make you know, the longevity of their games better, right? And make this their product better and help their players and help their image and all this shit. Giving a day off to a guy who busts his ass every single night is wrong. You want to tell them that they're not a human being, they're just a fucking profit sign? No, it's You're definitely not. It's definitely not. That's not wrong. Thank you very much. I, I take that with a lot of pride, actually. Um, but... You're a Philadelphia guy. I love you. <laughs> but you like thanks, man. My day, whole family. Okay, I get, I get the concept. But thirty fucking games, like what Kawhi Leonard did, he took a full season off, and then they load managed him to the point that's thirty games. He's basically getting off every third game. So, Every yeah, but game. you think get, Toronto changes that for a championship? You yeah, that they'd get, rather that's what play? I was going to say. Is they, they won a championship at the end of the day, so the city of Toronto is still thrilled with Kawhi Leonard. He's a hero there, even though he ditched him. Um, <laughs> I think the irony of what you're saying here is it's it's purely anecdotal, right? Like, I get it if, if you know, I'm putting myself back and say, when I'm 15, if I'm going out there to see AI play for the Sixers, and guess what? AI sitting out that night and, you know, like my dad had bought me tickets to the game for my birthday or something. Am I pissed off? Yeah, of course I'm pissed off. However, because AI is sitting out that game and maybe another 10 games or whatever, I'm going to get to see him play another game, couple 10 years. 10 games is generous. We're talking 30 games. That's We're not sugarcoating this. We're talking 30 games, okay, 25 fine, 30 games. games and make it 40. I don't care. I don't know about so, you, but I get 10 sick days a year paid for these guys get paid ten sick days. Are you shitting me? Shit. Oh, I'm moving to Canada. Well, welcome yeah. to Canada. Welcome I, I to get Canada. five, and if I use two of them, they they're talking to me behind closed doors. Yeah, like yeah. listen, you're not actually sick. Like suck it up. Yeah. But the <laughs> but my company treats me like a number, which is the opposite of what I'm trying to say here. Um, so effectively through load management, you get to see players like Kawhi, like LeBron, play for another three five years so their branding extends further it makes more money for the nba 
you, it makes more money for ESPN. It makes more money for all the TV networks. Plus, at the end of the day, too, when LeBron is coming back and, you know, he's, you know, seven years old and they're honoring him at every game. And, you know, we're, we're in this current state in the NBA where you have a retirement tour for 17 years. Dwayne Wade's mm-hmm. still having retirement ceremonies. Like, he'll be able to walk on the court and be healthy and be good to look at. Whereas, you know, if you look at someone like, a, granted, Bill Russell's like 100 years old now. But, like, yeah, those they, guys that's are. A, that's not fair. <laughs> beat, yeah, that's not fair. But, like. They're beaten up, and that's how athletes look after the end of their career. They, they've you know, sustained way too many injuries from just overuse of stuff. By allowing them to rest, we get to enjoy the product for much longer, and they're and, happier, and the fans are happier. And, like, the extent of that, too, like, are you more excited to watch a game in the middle of January or are you more excited to watch game an elimination game with the best players in the world all available to you in game seven. Like what, what's more important to you? I understand 30 games may be excessive, but he was coming off a season where he didn't play at all. And there's some conditioning restraints. There's some, and he was on a one year deal. Like that's that financially for, for Kawhi, like that was important. You don't want to die out there and then rob yourself of the opportunity of a max. Like, there were there were decisions on both sides for both Kawhi and Toronto, and both sides made out. Kawhi got a championship and got his next contract. Toronto finally became a team that was more than a good regular season team, and they won the, they won the big game. And I'm not saying it's directly related to 30 games that that he he was load managed and, and sat out, but it helps. Like you take a look at it, and it, people like Michael Jordan retired twice, and he got to play until he was like 42, and he still averaged 20 points a night. Like, and he wasn't load managed, I bet. He took two years off. Yeah, that's oh, load management. Two years that's off. fucking he took load years management. Off. Technically, he took like three and a half years off, but still. Yeah. Like, it's and the I mean, same I mean, thing. It's just chalked up a little different. Like, you think I mean, they were pissed in the middle of that championship run where Michael Jordan was like, I'd like to go try and fail at baseball with Chicago White Sox. <laughs> like, Chicago was pissed. <laughs> they were furious. And then he came back, like, the prodigal son that he was, and he came back and he fucking delivered more. But he took time off, kind of. He went and played baseball. I really devalued my point right there. But still, yeah, but, yeah, he took time like, away I mean, from basketball. Yeah, I mean, you he probably just did steroids and baseball then and got much healthier anyway. Let's well, start steroids break the body if down. You, if you look at LeBron James and you look at Dwayne Wade and you look at Kobe Bryant, they, they're all like, in, unless it was a season where they were injured, they were playing like 75 games, 75 games, 70 games, 75 yeah, look games. Yeah, LeBron had to do. Did you see how – look at a picture of LeBron in Miami while we're on here right now. The guy was a tank. He was built like a, a true power forward. Like I said, a tight end in football. And then he had to go all vegan, and he got all fucking crazy skinny. Then look at him when he went back to Cleveland. He had to completely change his entire life to add some sustainability to the end of his career right now and to allow him to get these contracts and to play the kind of minutes that he does and to still play and do what he needs to do to be able to succeed. His body's totally fucking different. Do you think that's shit that's healthy? He's also on record spending over a million dollars a year on his own health. And I don't think 99.9% of players in major major sports can handle doing something like that. So It's true. I, yeah. That's, there, there's a point where you know you, you can do it. If you want to invest in your own body, you want to invest in the, your, the longevity of your career and your body, you can do that just as much without having to be load managed for, to the extent of 30 games a season. 
like to, to sit there and to watch a Kawhi Leonard who's off basically every fourth night, at least one game a week. Kawhi Leonard, load management. Well, now they, they they're getting a little bit smarter. They're gonna say he's got a little flu or he's got a he's got a cold or he's one of the most often fluid and cold guys in the world. I know that's not true because of Philadelphia that. is that. Philadelphia has gastrointestinal issues for six years. <laughs> Joel Embiid's been farting way too much tonight, guys. He's got to sit out. <laughs> that's it. I mean, it's such a difficult topic because you see, you see, there's people out there who like the Dwayne Wade's of the world. The only seasons where he played less than 75 games are the seasons where he was hurt, but he came back the next year and he played 70. He might have played 51 year because of his injury, and then he comes back and he plays 70, 75. I don't have issues with a couple How old games. Is Dwayne like, Wade? Holy God! It's got to be 36. Like 36, right? How old's Vince yep. Carter? Oh, he's in his fifties now. <laughs> I think he's forty-five. Like yeah, he's forty-something. He never—he was never load managed. Vince Carter was not load managed. Do you think that him time. playing? Well, it wasn't forty-three, time, but the last ten—that's what I thought. Forty-two, forty-three. But for the last like six years of his career, coming off the bench and playing nine minutes a night versus twenty-five, thirty minutes a night, you don't think that's the same thing? It is. These guys are all load management in some way or another. Some people retire for a year and come back and save the world. I think Jordan. Vince Carter load management other is a people, little fire there. It's just the man wants to play, so the teams are finding a spot on the team for him. They're not load managing him by giving him nine minutes a night. They just don't have Andre more than Iguodala. nine minutes to afford the guy. Andre Iguodala? I, like, he's load managed in both ways. Yeah, well, I mean, this year he's, he's doing – I mean, granted, he now thinks that he's just added – more three to five years to his career by taking effectively taking the first half of this year off in Memphis. But in Golden State, like he would get load managed by games off here and there. But then there were also those games that a 33-year-old Andre Iguodala was playing eight minutes. And he's one of their most effective shutdown defenders even at age 33. Still load for, management. For me, for me, you want if, if you want to load manage, okay, then do like if you look at Dwayne Wade's career and you look at his minutes per game, he was up near 40 minutes and then suddenly it started coming down. But the number of games he played did not come down. Get the, If you don't want to play them every like full games every night, play them 25 minutes. Play them, but play them as often as you can. It, the most amount of games that you possibly can get out of them. If you have them play, if you have them play seven, if you have them take a night or two off every month, okay, that's fine. But then you also one or two games a week play them 25 minutes instead of 35 and 36 minutes. Suddenly, you're also helping the longevity of the career in that way too, without having to take away from the fans who are p- paying big bucks and who want to come and see these people play for you. You're actually going to be angry if they do something like that. So the Zion Williamson thing is a perfect example of go. it. He was on a minute restriction, even though the Pelicans clearly said beforehand he wasn't. So he was having one of the best fourth quarters of his career. Um, comes out In like four, NBA history. Yeah, I mean, he big. My favorite stat, you know, because I'm, I'm. We'll go back to analytics here, but he scored the most points ever for a Pelicans rookie in their first game. By beating Anthony Davis's previous oh, record of 21 by one point, which was a giant fuck you to Anthony Davis, and I, mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but the medical staff on the sidelines freaking out, and the coaches freaking out, and having to call a timeout to pull him out of a game, which they ultimately lost because he couldn't be in there. 
is going to upset a fan way more who says, I don't give a shit about the load management right now. Just play him for two more minutes. It'll be fine. Then yeah, but you're if sitting you're load out managing, for the entire game. If you're load managing the guy, what if you're not playing LeBron James and Anthony Davis on a given night? I bet you the Lakers are losing that game too. They may Maybe. have already chalked that up though. You play 82 yeah. regular season games a year. You have to – it's opportunity costs. Like what's more important, a game in January or playing a competitive basketball as a number one or two seed, three seed, whatever it is in NBA postseason playoffs? It's the same thing like JT Realmuto. Is he going to catch 140 games for you again this year? Like do you want that? Is that good for him? Is that good for the duration of his future? The, I hope to God contract. The, the catcher position is is a really tough example to use because that thing has that position has to be the absolute worst for your knees and legs. The absolute worst. It doesn't worst. matter. It's his job. Yeah. It's what he does. He goes out there and you. It's again. It's it's the exact same principle. The difference is the the only time I feel is the load management is not a thing is if you are anything other than a running back in the NFL. 16 times a year, you have to trot out there and play for 60 minutes. I, I mean, outside of it, like, that's kind of it. Like, that, that's the only sport where I feel as though load man. Like, golf, if you don't want to play a tournament, you don't fucking play a tournament. If your back hurts, if you're tired, if you're sore, if, you take some time. And, it, and no one gives a shit. Like, people aren't losing their damn mind. In hockey, like, e- even in hockey, where guys are, are complete Ironmen, no one wants to come off the ice at a certain point. Some of these guys who are up there at 33, 34, 35 years old, maybe they're not skipping games, 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 but like they get less minutes. minutes or if they skip a game, they there. skip a game once a month or two times a month. We're not, you're not seeing it weekly on a weekly basis where we have to discuss this guy sitting out a game. You play four games in a given week, three games in a given week. And this guy, every week we're talking about he's off. He's off load management, load management. Like, what was, what would you trade? So I mean, you're you're obviously you're a Sixers fan. So say for argument's sake that Ben Simmons and Joel and B worked the out the worst load management team in the world. Yes, but okay. <laughs> but just I mean, say that this is that they're they're in the process of load managing each of the their two of their superstars, and you show up to say eight games a year and on six of them at least one of them are not playing and yet yeah, sucks and like maybe in the eight games you attend they go four and four which would never happen because we're unbelievable at home but just say that it <laughs> did that we were four and four and you're like man that really sucked i so wish that i would have been able to see eight games with the two of them together and but at the end of that three years you win two championships five years you win two championships something like that now still wait say you yep yep but just say theoretically, like emotionally, that would mean a lot to you that you got to see two championships with two unbelievable superstars, both healthy in the playoffs. That would be fantastic. Now imagine you go to those games. They play all – both players play in each of those eight games, each of the three seasons that you go. They're not – one of them is not available in one postseason. One of them is not available in the next postseason. They don't win any championships over those three years. But damn, were they electric in those eight games and they went seven and one. And you had a hell of a lot of fun in the Wells Fargo Center in the regular season. For, for, What's more well, important? Obviously, winning the championships more important. But Great. where's the correlation? Where's the correlation? Because we can sit there and say because of Kawhi Leonard. Look at what the Raptors are doing again this year. Song Kawhi Leonard, Siakam's not being load managed and taking nights off. Like you, you look at this. Where's the correlation? Is necessarily load management the correlation with a championship or a deep playoff run? Can you not lift every single day? Can I what? Can you, like, if you were to go to the gym, like, could you, like, successfully lift every single day? 
Like you're you're like you're an in shape guy. You're in much better shape than I am. So oh, like if you oh, went I, to I the gym, I don't know. I'm like 130 pound twig, so I'm gonna say yeah, no like, because not... of size. But okay, fine. So your body's different than mine. I would react differently if I was a sports figure in in some capacity controlling you, and I wanted the longevity of your career. I would say, you know what? Why not yoga today? And, and you go sit in the mat, do what you got to do, keep yourself loose. You're still working out. It is what it is. Like these guys aren't not participating in shootouts. They aren't not riding a bike. They aren't not working out in some capacity. They're doing what they need to do, but maybe they're not on the game floor. Right. And that is what that is. But maybe I can lift every single day and it doesn't impact my ability to go out there and perform. Tobias Harris right now is showing that he can play 40 minutes a night and he could probably play 75, 80 games a season. He's not going to be able to do that in three years and they'll adjust accordingly. Right now, Pascal Siakam it, the guy's a Cameroon. He's going to play every damn minute that he is healthy on the floor until he can't. They're just riding a luxury right now that 76ers don't have. Other NBA teams maybe don't have. But Fred Van Fleet, he still takes a night off here and there. Marcus Gasol over there. Actually, Marcus Gasol's not still over there. Um, no. uh, blanking on names right now on, on who else is over there. Um, but, like, the, it, again, it. Not everyone's the same, and you can't treat everyone the same. If if Kawhi Leonard needs to play 55 games a year to play until he's 40 years old and to provide whichever cities he plays for six NBA championships, eight NBA championships, I would say that he made a really good business decision, and as did those coaches and organizations who sat him 25, 35 games a season. They make great decisions for everyone. Now – Maybe there are guys who can Iron Man it and go out there and Cal Ripken style go out and just keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. Maybe they do, but maybe they don't fucking win. It's difficult to say because I'd like to see more correlation between the two to say that it's actually working and that it's actually effective because we've seen it. The one example, and we can always look back at that one example with Kawhi Leonard, but find me. Other examples where a team went on to win a championship or a team went on to make a deep playoff run because they gave their studs 30 games off a season. 30 games was one player. Like Scott said earlier, 20, 10, 15 games. games. Like I, I, I just I you're getting 10 days off a year in fucking Canada, my friend. Like, oh, I don't I don't use everywhere. them. I don't I'm just use saying them. they're available to you. And if it's available to Kawhi Leonard, he's going to take them because he feels as though he needs it. Maybe other players don't. Maybe other players need to stay into a rhythm. Maybe that happens. I don't know. There's a good chance. Yeah, really heard a rhythm if you're taking that much time off. But apparently for Kawhi Leonard, not so. But this debate could rage on. Um and obviously it will, and I'm sure it will come up in the future when we talk Sixers and when we talk heading towards the playoffs and injuries and et cetera, et cetera. But we got one more topic to do, and we'll try and get it done in 10 minutes as we pass an hour and 10 minutes here. Um, That's funny. You think we can do it in 10 minutes? <laughs> well, we're going to really try out. We're going to try our darndest to do it in 10 minutes. Um, so like I alluded to earlier in the show, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, or both. And we obviously people are going crazy with trade machines making these these offers of well look what we could get for Ben Simmons because the trade machine said so. Um, and there's that is a lot my of people. favorite fun tool of irrational thought ever, by the way. Oh, I love it. Like it's so stupid. But man, oh, I, so I know fun. they're like they're like look at this I made it work with the cap and it's I made like, it work with picks. That's what I'm saying. Like, like cap yeah, but for hockey. Like, oh, my God, it's so fun. It's it's so fun, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go to the— Oh, they're moronic. The, 
you yeah, it doesn't mean you're gonna go to the LA Lakers and they're giving you Kyle Kuzma and multiple first. I don't want Kyle Kuzma. All. You see that goofball with his hair? There's a, it's, yeah. it's an example. It's an example. It's not like you're gonna go to Toronto and you. It's like, oh my God, this trade machine said I can get Siakam, Van Vliet, and multiple first rounders for Joel Embiid. I'm sorry. Let's be let's be realistic. It's a machine for a reason. It's not the actual management. Um, but I'm on the side of I'm on, I'm on the side there. Ben Simmons, I'd be okay with Ben Simmons. I mean, we talk about longevity of career and we talk about the body of Joel Embiid and and I just don't know how long Joel Embiid's body is going to be able to do what it does with or without load management. I don't think it helps because his body just, he's so, he's so damn big. And Ben Simmons without Joel Embiid is, is a whole different beast. And they, they're, and I just I, I think that if you're gonna move on from one of them or if we can't have both of them, I, I gotta go with keeping Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons with or without a shot seems to be more of the future and Joel Embiid's coming to a point now where I don't think he even really wants to be with the Sixers anymore. Every night you see him, he looks like depressed, like he's not enjoying his time anymore, like he wasn't the one who was hitting on Rihanna in his first season in in the NBA on Twitter and hitting up all these people. Um it just doesn't feel like he's the same guy, and it doesn't feel like that seven foot two, two hundred fifty pound frame of his will will put up with the 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 NBA for that much longer without only playing fifteen twenty minutes a night. Um, so I mean, I'd be going Ben Simmons here because Ben Simmons has proven he can play and he can run this team without Joel Embiid. And it seems like mass confusion when the two of them are on on a court together because Embiid thinks he can shoot. Simmons knows he can't shoot. So Embiid stands out at the out at the line ready to shoot a three ball all the time. Simmons ball handles out at the three point line knowing he can't shoot and nothing happens. It seems like a stagnant offense with the two of them together. What about you, uh, Scott? Oh, I, I think we have to keep Joel Embiid. I mean, he is the face of the city, number one, and was the face of the process. He literally is the reason that everyone in Philadelphia got reinvigorated in the game of basketball again. Um, so to get rid of the face of your franchise, regardless of how good or bad he is at that point, is a hazardous business decision. But at the end of the day, if you have to make the business decision to get rid of him, you're also giving up someone who has the potential to be one of the top five, top ten best big men of all time, which is not something that's easy to replace in basketball. And you build a team around them and make it work. Um, someone like Ben Simmons, as much as I love him, he couldn't, I don't have confidence that he could win a championship by himself. I have confidence that Joel Embiid could figure out a way to go on a run and win a championship at some point by himself. Would I like to keep them both together? Yeah. But the way that the the current landscape is is forming up right now, it looks like one of them's got to go. And to me, if you give Joel Embiid up, that becomes a story 10 years down the road after he's gone to Boston. Ugh, that, like my spine shivers thinking about him going to Boston or any other big city like where he's, he's going to bring them a championship and bring the same energy to them and have a team built around him there. Um, we become the huge losers in that trade, and there's no way to get back what he brings to the court in a trade. I don't care any amount of draft picks. I don't care any any player in the NBA, I mean, to a certain extent. Like, you're just not going to get back what you need for him. And I think it would be not only a giant mistake to trade him, I think it would be one of the biggest mistakes the Sixers have ever made. 
What about you, Shane? Um, this is it's such a hard topic because, you, like, you can see and stand on either side of that. Just, just I agree with both of of your stances, and, and in agreeing in agreeing with both of them, like it, it sets you back to that decision that says it isn't a good business decision to split them up at all. You know that we we are going to find a way to to coexist out here and and I am going to take a stance on something that is probably going to shock people who have heard me talk about the Sixers and the organization as a whole but in order for either one of them or both of them to reach or even exceed the potential that we believe that they have and they believe that they have that's going to come from a coaching change um I don't think like at at a certain point coaches like a Brett Brown they are I feel like they're more friends than coaches. Like I feel like there are parents who are, you know, not great parents, but they're fun to hang out with. Like at a certain point to elevate these people and to see them hit that ceiling and then break through it and create a new one. You may need a guy who who challenges them a little different, a voice that comes out a little different to me. I, I look at a Joel Embiid who's 25 years old and he's dealt with crazy you know injury history you know fluky stuff some stuff because it's stylistically the way that he plays um he didn't start playing basketball until late in his life you know he's an incredible incredible story and like scott said there's he is he is a face of the sport you know he is an nba national commercials he's he's everywhere because he is a marketable player and business wise you keep him he does also have that ability as scott said to be one of the best big men to ever play this game. He has the ability right now to be one of the best two or three players in the game right now when healthy. You don't move him, but you do find a way to utilize him in a way that maximizes his skill sets. Um, and at 25 years old, Connor, I hear what you're saying about his body breaking down. And as I just mentioned, his injury history and things of that sort, it, it's, it is alarming. It's eye popping. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, that is concerning. However, he's 25. He has to learn how to work with a body like that. I went back and I nerded out and I watched his first game against OKC, and he doesn't look like the same player. Like he looked spry, he looked athletic, uh, he looked lean, um, and still strong. Like he wasn't getting pushed around. You know, he he, he looked like that was truly the best shape of his life uh, entering into that that game. And then you take a look at him this season, and it's not that he's chunky. He's not. He, he's he's just a thick kid. He's big. He's just he's so wide and so strong at a certain point like they're like he's going to be a guy that's going to have to take that LeBron route or take that Jaleel Okafor route where you, you're going to have to make some drastic life altering decisions or, or not life altering um, uh, like day to day, like the way that you eat, the way that you lifestyle work out. Altering. Lifestyle. Yeah. Thank you um, to to maximize his physical presence out there on a, on a basketball court. Like he's going to have to find a way to lean out to take some pressure off his, his lower half. Um, you know, and, and like, that's all stuff that I believe will happen. You take a look at like Shaquille O'Neal when he came into the league, like he, he was built similarly to what that of, uh, of Joe was built. And then he got real thick, real fast. Cause those big guys, they grow into their body more. And he, he, he got husky, man, but he played until he was 38. And at age 38, he was still playing 20 minutes a night. Like, sure. He was only playing 45, 50 nights uh, uh, a season. And Connor, I know that might piss you off, but like at 38 years old, if Joel Embiid is still effectively playing at 20, 25 minutes a night, like I think that we've done some, some really good things here. Um, I mean, that would be to, important. Like high, like it, I'm, 
find it so hard to believe that that'll happen at the age of 30 <laughs> just because of the, the build of his body and the just the way it I mean, is when too. you're seven foot two your body grows so much different than everybody else's like at that point he could be like Yao Ming where he can't play on the court without his ankles breaking literally under him <laughs> so I mean it's well, so he was seven six seven he eight, was seven absurd, six so yeah he was seven six but I mean at the end of the day like you can't expect like a big man to be that big physical presence under there for you up until the age of 38 39 40 that there's Stylistically, a whole different tale lifestyle you you make those changes and you might have to make them every year maybe you make them every five years maybe you make them every decade but you make them uh kobe mm. bryant was another one who who you know he, he kind of reformed what he had to do in order to play to the level that he was playing as late into his career that he played um you know ultimately obviously at the very very back end of his career that stuff really fell apart and it fell apart quick um but for a while man he had to reshape himself every couple of years and, and he had to change his diet he had to change his workout regimen he had to sleep more he had to do this he had to do all these different types of things and joel Embiid, who will find a way to do that but the point is you don't walk away from joel Embiid. you do not send him packing because he is a face of the nba and then you take a look at ben simmons and what he's been able to do with joe away from him right now there is a killer inside ben simmons and I truly believe that he could be an absolute megastar in the NBA. I actually believe that his ceiling is higher than that of Joel Embiid's, strictly because mm-hmm. of the longevity that he he could have. That killer instinct, that is not going to come out with Brett Brown. I love Brett Brown to death. I still think he's a very good coach. But Ben Simmons needs someone to come in there and mamba his ass. Like Someone needs to walk in there. And, and let him know it's okay to be a fuck you guy. Mm-hmm. He needs that. And when he has that, he's a different basketball player. And I, I think that once that happens, he will be at least a willing shooter. Like they collapsed in the fourth quarter on him last night and he didn't, he didn't take a jump shot. I was frustrated. He still made it work last night. He's not going to be able to do it forever. Eventually a coach is going to sit there and he's going to say, shoot the goddamn ball. And he will. And it's going to work out. Not always going to be pretty. Probably never will be. But it'll be willing and it'll make a difference and that'll make Joel Embiid better. And then, I don't know, maybe find one actual creator to help balance the two of them. Because Josh Richardson, I love him. He's really not that guy. So for another year or so, we have Josh. But after that, you got to go find a guy. You got to find a guy who can create his own shot. You got to find effectively a Lou Williams. We, as much as we as fans want to hate to admit it, J- Jimmy Butler was really, really. Not really. Uh, I mean, Jimmy I, Butler's. He was there's very better. Good. There's there's better but out there by threes. There's better out there, but I think, but he, I mean, you talk about creating your own shot. He could create his own shot. It doesn't always have to be a three but point the spacing, shot. Uh, the length and size of this team, like you need someone who can sh- score from everywhere, and he was not willing to do that, which is crazy because he's at least willing to do it in Miami. Um, but like, what you really need, honestly, is like a Jimmy Butler meets uh, uh, JJ Redick, and like they mold into one basketball player. Because then you get the best version of, of Ben Simmons, you get the best version of Joel Embiid, and you get the combined skill set that you are missing and lacking night in and night out. Like, that's kind of what you need. Which is definitely Zaire Smith, the seventh best player in the NBA. Damn shame he <laughs> down last night. But, maybe, maybe Mario Shyock too. The dude's putting up 100 points every yeah, night. Yeah, he's, he's, really he's been doing really well in the G League, so. Um, it, but yeah. It should, should be interesting. Very for sure. interesting for the rest of the year because there's a fire Brett Brown crowd, there's a trade Ben Simmons crowd, there's a trade, um, the trade Joel Embiid crowd. There's a, there's there's a bit of every crowd 
for the Philadelphia 76ers. So I'm really interested to see how the rest of the season goes and what happens. But I, I do have to agree on the Brett Brown point. I almost think that we got to move on from Brett Brown and find a different coach who can bring the most out of all the players and then who can strategize a more less stagnant it's offense. Voice. It's just a yeah. different voice. Like, he's that, been, that's he, really all it is. He's been there and we respect him and we love him for going through the process and going through years where he won like nine and ten games. But I mean, ultimately, the voice of reason has to change eventually. And like it, uh, it totally I think it's similar to, me. yeah. I think it's similar to the Andy Reid thing. Like, um, you know, at the end of his tenure, I mean, everyone in Philadelphia still loves Andy Reid, but we knew he needed to move on. He knew he needed to move on, and there was no ill will. I hope that people treat Brett Brown the same exact way. I hope he gets yeah. some kind of recognition when he comes back coaching another team. Like, I, and I, I think it will. But yeah, again, I, I agree, and it wouldn't shock me that if I think it was Connor that you had said. Um, on one of these shows that, that you felt as though once Brett Brown was removed within the first two years of the contract of the next coach, they would win a championship. I think that, yeah, right. that was my guarantee. Yeah. I think my, on a decade show. Yeah. I think, I think you're right with that, but I, I also wouldn't be shocked if Brett Brown's next stop, he also wins a championship within, you know, his first contract there. Um, I do think it's all about the coach. change in the voice, just like what we mm-hmm. said about Doug yeah. or Andy Reid, just so like we said about, Chip Kelly and just like where well Doug Peterson's different. He was that voice that got the whole culture of the Eagles was so different with him. Suddenly you saw a, a hungrier Eagles team. They embraced the underdog role. They embraced they embrace every role that they have to take on. And their next man up mentality is humongous in the NFL because injuries happen so often in the NFL. So that was huge. For, for the Eagles, so I think it can be just as huge and just as effective for the Philadelphia 76ers in the future as well. Um, Very much so, I agree. We, we did that in 15 minutes, so that was better. There you go. Better. <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll, we promise we'll get within an hour here eventually, very soon. Well, stop picking it. such great topics, Connor. All right. That, that's what's doing it. It's really all your fault for being too good at hosting your own damn show. All right. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, we, we, we had, so three topics lasted 55 minutes. One topic, the, the baseball one lasted like 35 by itself. So if it wasn't for the baseball one, we would have done a hell of a job, I think. But it's Major League Baseball's fault yet again. God damn. Yep. God damn baseball. They are the villain of sports. Yeah, look at really that. screwed that up. But like we said, they get they got people talking. They're getting people talking. So I'm interested to see what happens with the sport in general going, going forward with the winter meetings and going forward with spring training and heading towards the season, which starts in, I believe it's like two months, three months, literally like two months from this weekend or something. So yeah, should be very interesting. But anyways, that is it for us here at Crossing Borders once again. Um, you can follow Shane. Where can they find you, Shane? Uh, you can get me on Twitter. It's at Shane underscore me. You can also follow any of the new shows that – um that i'm on in the new handles and stuff one is uh whiskey ramble it's at whiskey ramble pc not because we are pc but it's because podcast uh didn't fit um (laughs) (laughs) and then uh disciples of ed is is a hockey show i'm on with rob that's uh at disciples of ed and then i have recently joined the brotherly pod i think that's just at brotherly pod or brotherly underscore pod something like that uh and then i am also on scott's show which i'm sure he will tell you about shortly yeah, and oh, Scott, yeah. Where, where can they find you and your other show? 
Well, I'm going to just ham up the, the TJ is one of us Twitter now. We're, we're getting it out there. We've got some exciting stuff going on there. The handle is at TJ is one of us. Spelled all out. <laughs> one is spelled out itself because no one took that handle, shockingly. Um, you can also <laughs> follow me at SP Novik. And uh, yeah, I'll kick it back to you, Connor, here. This is a great show. Yeah, and you can find me at Connor10TN as always. And you can follow the, you can find the network that I'm on at Unwrap Sports. We have many great things going on there, including they have a gambling section, they have a combat sports section, they have basketball, they have football, they have it all. And I am proud to be, maybe I'm not supposed to be saying much about this, but I'm proud to be helping front the NHL unwrapped side of it that we're hoping to launch in the next few months so definitely keep your eyes out and follow at unwrapped sports they are a great bunch of people and you can basically find everything you want there just as you can find everything apparently at crossing borders with all my Mm -hmm. co-hosts and hosts that i have on a (laughs) weekly basis so thank you so much and you guys all have a great week and we will be back next week